Easter is just around the corner, and what better way to celebrate the spring season than with a Miki Couture blanket? Whether you're gathering with family for an Easter egg hunt or just enjoying a quiet day at home, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Easter festivities. Made with ultra-soft and luxurious materials, these blankets will keep you cozy and comfortable, while their stylish designs will add a touch of spring to your day. And with a wide range of colors and patterns to choose from, there's a Minky blanket for everyone. So this Easter, make your day even brighter with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket just in time for Easter. Happy Easter from Minky Couture. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey folks, this is the Lakers Legacy Podcast, and we are proud to announce a partnership collaboration with a brand new podcast app. If you're looking for a new way to listen to podcasts that's a lot more interactive and fun, well, look no further than the cooler podcast player on the Apple Store. The app that makes sure you never miss the hottest sports talk by the cooler with like-minded fans and listeners of the same community. So download the Cooler Podcast Player on the Apple Store, search for your favorite podcast, specifically look up the Lakers Legacy Podcast, we are up there right now, subscribe to our Cooler page, click on one of our episodes, listen away, and then join the conversation by commenting away down below on each episode. Add some emojis, like the cringe emoji, because I know that I can be quite cringe. Ask us questions about specific points we made throughout a specific episode. The Cooler Podcast Player is essentially like Reddit, but curated and consolidated per podcast community so that you can join the conversation in a safer, more intimate, and less trolly space than other apps like X. And you can do so with other like-minded Lakers Legacy Podcast listeners. Also, you're likely to find one of us commenting and replying back to you guys directly within each episode feed in the comments section. So grab a drink, make your way over to the cooler, and join the conversation now by downloading the Cooler Podcast Player app. Make sure to add the Lakers legacy to your queue, and let's keep the debates and discussions going beyond the final sign-offs you hear from us at the end of each episode. The Cooler Podcast Player. Listen, then speak your mind. Welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where Rui's back, Vando's back, Delo's back in the starting lineup, the skill guards are rolling, and with another two-game win streak and having won four out of their last six games, I guess you could say that the Lakers have reached homeostasis. Nay, make that hamiostasis. Hey. A indeed. Because as it turns out, when you play your best players the most minutes, things fall into place and amazing things happen. Also, told you D'Angelo Russell was good. Coco 5. I I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I am joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, how do you like common sense? And are you having fun again as a Lakers fan? I, I love common sense. I am having fun again, finally, as a Lakers fan. It, it's just been nice to see, like, a semblance. And by the way, I don't think this is even fully what we wanted, but just like a semblance of what we sort of expected coming into the season, um, which should have been common sense to everybody, in my opinion. You're right. It should have been common sense, but... Better late than never, I guess. Uh, Things look easy for the Lakers after having beat the uh, Dallas Mavericks last night in a blowout win. 
Tommy, we've talked about before how whenever we play the Dallas Mavericks, it just seems like we struggle every single time. And last night was one of the first times that it was kind of easy. And in general, over the last stretch here, since D'Angelo Russell has returned from injury, since he's come back to the starting lineup, things actually look easy for the Lakers. Things look fun. Guys look engaged and involved. We're beating contending teams. Um, We've also known that this is the ceiling this team is capable of. It's just, again, the coach panicked midway through the season and threw a wrench into the entire operation midway. But it seems like we're finally back on track, and that's the most important part. So the Lakers are back at 521 and 21. As I mentioned, they have won four out of their last six games against very good teams like the Clippers, OKC Thunder, and the Dallas Mavericks. And again, it's no coincidence that their 4-2 and two rise has coincided with D'Angelo Russell returning from his tailbone injury. Tommy, we you intimated at it, but we didn't get the 2022-23 Western Conference starting lineup featuring Vanderbilt that we had all hoped for and that we were kind of tricked into believing that we had finally got. But at least we got back D'Angelo Russell playing starters minutes. Um, Really quickly, before we get into the nitty gritty of things and why and how things are working better and all that stuff and get into specific players, how are you feeling about this little trot back to competency by Darvin Ham? Torian Prince is still starting and still playing 30 minutes, although last night he didn't because he was in foul trouble. But at least some of the most important players on this team, Reeves, D'Lo, Rui, Vando, and Wood, are getting more cemented roles on this roster. So how are you feeling about that? I mean, it's nice, and I guess we're at the take what you can get um, stage of the season, right? But it's just kind of frustrating, I think, as a fan. And, and, you know, looking at the discourse and looking at how we're sort of managing or, you know, how the coaching staff is sort of managing this group, it feels like everything has to be an extreme, right? Like, Torian Prince sucks or he doesn't, you know, so-and-so sucks or they don't. And it's like, how about it's like a spectrum? You know what I mean? Like, Torian Prince is not a bad player. He's actually, this is part of the reason we were, by the way, if you go back in previous years' trade podcasts, I guarantee you Torian Prince's name came up at least one time, right? So, like, he's the type of player that we wanted for a long time. Now, I don't think any of us were expecting that if we got this journeyman kind of three and D wing, we would be playing him a career high minutes in this 10th season in the NBA. That I think is the issue, right? Like Max Christie is a fine player. And I don't think we want to play him. Anybody wants to play him 35 minutes a night. You know, Austin Reeves is a fine player. Well, when he plays over 30 minutes a night, he, he has, you know, fatigue and conditioning issues. These are just like not every player because you're good. You know what I mean? Like means you can be good sustained over a prolonged period of time. It feels like finally fans are catching up to this and, and sort of like repeating things that we've said. And, and, you know, and I don't think it's, again, I think it's kind of common sense. Like Torian Prince is going to score nine or 10 points a night, which is not bad, but he's going to score that whether you play him 20 minutes or whether you play him 35 minutes you know what i mean he's gonna make his threes and by the way occasionally he'll have the game where he goes off and hits six threes okay play him 30 minutes in that game and you won't see me complaining same thing with vandy you know what i mean like i'm not trying to suggest that only our guys are the guys that make sense like if vanderbilt is having a defensive lockdown game is is engaged offensively and is contributing you know in other ways other than his defense Play him 30 minutes, but that doesn't mean, you know, he needs to play 30 minutes every single night. These guys are role players. They call them role players for a reason. They play a role. They're not supposed to be the go-to, like, you are the next guy after our top four. It's you, Torian Prince. Like, it's just, like, crazy to me that we've somehow, like, landed there. And the problem is, like, it costs guys like Rui and Max and Vando minutes. And... You know, to the point you made in the Mavs game, it was like a step in the right direction. And we saw kind of like what the lineups could look like if Torian plays less. But he only played less because he had he couldn't guard Luca for the second night in a row. Right. With this with this going to this lineup, he had a problem handling his matchup. And he's in there for defense, by the way. So (laughs) so like. You know, he got in foul trouble and could only play 20 minutes and and we thrived, Um, you know, when, when he went out in the first half. That's when we made our, or in the first quarter, that's when we made our run. He played a little bit better in the second quarter, or in the second half. But again, to my point, like, you use these guys for what they're useful for. And and you don't have to push it beyond that. But, 
you know, again, step in the right direction. The biggest key out of all of this is not even Tory. I mean, he, that's a limiting factor, I think, on our season success. But that's not the biggest factor for our success. The biggest factor was we weren't playing our third best player, which is D'Angelo Russell, and we are playing him now. So, correct. you know, that is going to make up for a lot of the problems that we were having. And everyone's going to suddenly say, like, well, I guess they got it together. They figured it out. And it's like, no, we just played our better players. Again, it's like people get so binary in how they view this stuff. And it was like Darvin Ham, right? Like kind of even with, with, with the whole rationale for going with his, you know, we're going all in on defense lineup. It completely, like... We're not running defensive like half court drills to see who can which five man group can technically play the best defense in the half court. Like basketball is still a two way game and one side of the floor impacts the other. You know, it's like it's so funny. Like, I don't know how many people remember the the Phil Jackson like memes back in the day of the defense like they will miss their shots. But but one thing Phil Jackson was famous for, right, was constantly talking about the link between the offense and the defense and when the defense was struggling he you know would point out why the defense was struggling but he would also tie it back to the offense and say you know the guys aren't running the triangle so they're out of position they're taking bad shots it's leading to poor floor balance and that's where we get killed is in transition defense you know so it's like you have to pay attention to both sides i yes if you're going to look at me in the eye and tell me torian prince is a better defender than D'Angelo Russell. I, I'm not going to argue that with you. I just don't think you're appreciating like the full, you know, you're not appreciating the full picture. And D'Angelo's Russell, D'Angelo Russell's D- offense is so much more efficient than Torian that it net ends up being a positive for our team defense because we're not out of position. We're not sprinting back in poor matchups and transition. Like, you know, having a cohesive and coherent offensive player can still help you defensively. And, and by the yeah. way, he's not, you know, a huge liability. So, you know, long way of saying step in the right direction, but I'd like to see more. Yeah, I think you, you mentioned things are not binary. In, in some respects, though, you kind of wish things were binary for Darvin Ham because better player, worse player. Play the better yeah, exactly. player. It's as Just easy as that. Player. It's binary yeah. like that, you know? So, and, and this is something that, and, and I, it sounds like we're being negative over such a positive thing, but the more we see this team play like how we always thought they could play, the more frustrating it is that it took this long to get here when we've been screaming these things at the top of our lungs. And we're not even, these are not even like nuanced takes, you know? And, and I mean like, oh, go ahead, sorry. And, I, and again, I want to apply the better late than never sentiment to what's going on. But again, the more we see the most common sense, intuitive things we've been clamoring for actually work, the more I get pissed off that Ham took so long to do the most sensical things. Because as we've intimated before, we have wasted so much time, you know, and we, we didn't have to be in this position of fighting for our lives once again at 21 and 21. And... And yeah, so close this thought out really quick because I don't want to be so negative over a really good stretch for the Lakers, but yeah. Well, the, and the last thought I'll, make, I'll say on this point is, you know, most teams, <laughs> this is crazy that I have to say this out loud, most teams play their best players, okay? And, and again, when you're talking about role players, it's like if LeBron is having an off night offensively, you're not going to pull him right out of the game and put in Max Christie because you're like, well, Max hit a three and LeBron's not playing. No, like the stars get obviously different treatment and and that's warranted. I'm not talking about even like your top three, four guys. I'm just talking about like when you get down to like, you know, Rui is a better overall player than Torian Prince. The default should be we're going to him. The default should be we're going to Jared Vanderbilt. Now, if you need shooting, then you have Torian Prince. If you need a more athletic, bigger body with some strength. Then you go to Rui. Like, these are like the situational types of things we're supposed to be doing. And for some reason, we are giving the priority to like the niche role player and we're not giving the minutes to like the more well-rounded guys who were like theoretically supposed to be like developing and who are part of the future identity of this roster. So, yeah. And then and then it's it's frustrating to hear Darvin Ham go out in his post conference and say, This is why we signed D'Angelo Russell. You know, we knew he was this phenomenal talent. And I was like, You were playing him 17 minutes a game a week ago. What are we talking yeah. about here? You know? Yeah. So it's just so I think 
the overriding thing here and we're going to get to like the positives of how the Lakers are playing because there are some things schematically that they've been implementing and it seems like they're more in sync outside of just playing the right lineups but again just a ton of overthinking and overcomplicating things this season that has led us to this place of I mean we're less than a we're like three weeks away from the trade deadline and these guys are scrambling to try and not get traded some of the players on this roster right and they've been clamoring for continuity for trying to get to use the same guys that got ham here in the first place and he's starting to do that but it's almost like do we have enough time it it seems like we're on the right track now but again this is this kind of just emphasizes our frustrations of how we got to this point but anyways the lakers scored like 41 points in the third quarter last night they scored 42 points in the third quarter 42 to 27 off the backs of some incredible offense and some incredible shooting from D'Angelo Russell um let's start here with D'Angelo Russell before we get to the new old starting lineup and what else is working because again D'Angelo Russell after several inexplicable 17 minute stints off the bench Darvin Ham decided to finally play his third best player the minutes he deserves with the usage he deserves. And we'll get to slotting and Austin Reeves in a second as well. But D'Angelo Russell, we are talking about the third leading scorer on the team with 15.7 points a game. And that's with multiple 17-minute games in there. The player with the first or second highest cumulative plus minus on the team. It's either first or second. I haven't checked. Uh, He's also the player with the second highest net rating on the team behind Rui Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell is also the player leading the Lakers in three-point shooting at 40%. He is the only one shooting 40%, although there are several shooting 39%. He's also leading the team in total makes with 85 made threes, so he's leading the team in volume, 2.2 threes made a game. He is the only Laker with multiple six-plus threes made a game, multiple six-plus threes made games. He is the only non-LeBron, non-AD Laker with multiple 27-plus point games. No other Laker, including Austin Reeves, has even one 27-point game. So, given all of that, how was this player consciously ever played only 17 minutes in a game, let alone three games of such? Uh, Third best player on the Lakers, who? So yes, we can argue about who's more important in terms of fit and just connectivity between D'Lo and Austin Reeves. D'Angelo Russell himself has said on any given night, any player on this roster can be the third best player. But objectively, at least as far as this season goes, D'Angelo Russell the third, has been the third most important player on this team, statistically, eye test-wise, etc., etc. And he's finally getting the minutes and role to gain a rhythm, and it's actually working and paying dividends. Who would have thought? So just your quick thoughts on D'Angelo Russell's recent run here. And uh, people are kind of acting like this came out of nowhere and, you know, acting like he just got hot during that 39-point game against the Utah Jazz. But D'Angelo Russell actually started turning things around when he got benched. It's just... Darvin Ham limited him to 17 minutes a game. And even when he came back from injury, you remember that Clippers game where he had 11 points in the second half and really spurred that run on to inevitably beating the Clippers. I thought things were fixed then because he played, Darvin Ham played D'Angelo Russell 30 minutes that game. But then we go to the Toronto's Raptors game, the next game, and he plays D'Angelo Russell his lowest minutes of the season, 16 minutes. And that was in a game where D'Angelo Russell was playing very well. So finally, we've gotten to a place where Darvin Ham has settled on the starting lineup that started this season out, and it's been working. D'Angelo Russell has been clamoring for the skill guards to take center stage once again, and he has led the charge here with the ball in his hands, slotting Austin Reeves in his rightful place as more of the connective piece and as the third guy situationally. Uh, but yeah, your thoughts on how D'Angelo Russell has been playing. You have a knack for this? I'm literally driving through this tunnel right now. Oh, Tommy is driving through the tunnel. So let me talk more about D'Angelo Russell and just what he's done to slot Austin Reeves into place because I think we've seen Austin Reeves really revert back to and revert back to in a positive way the connective player that the Lakers actually need him to be versus the him player that everybody thought he was going to evolve into. And a large part of that has been 
not force feeding him into that third guy and just relying on the vet guy in D'Angelo Russell, who has proven through several periods in his career that he can be that guy. So now here we are. And not to say that Austin Reeves won't be the third guy on certain nights, but it's just, it's better to give the more experienced player while you still have him on your team. You're not sure if you're going to have him past the trade deadline, but while you still have him on your team, he has proven even in this short season alone that when he has the ball, when he's starting, the team does well. Yes. I actually think that that last point, right, about helping Austin slot into his natural best position at, at this stage of his career at 25 years old is the most overlooked part, right? Because that's not something we can point to, well, look at this advanced metric, look at this plus minus, look at this, whatever. Like, what what is not being captured here, right, is, and, I, and again, this these are just individual game stats, small sample size, whatever. Kyrie Irving shot three out of nine on shots where Austin Reeves was the primary defender on it. Now, yes, okay, some of that was Jared Vanderbilt had had him in hell the entire night, and maybe that made him tired and, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, he, he's not going to shoot well every night. He got in a bad rhythm, and so, like, that that helps Austin, too. So that's part of it, okay? But but Austin played a lot better defensively, just by the eye test, than I've seen him play in, in other games this season. Austin hit two threes again, you know, last night. He had seven assists. Like, he is ideal in that connector role. We want him to develop and, and broaden his game more, but we have the realized version of like what we want Austin to be, right? Like we have D'Angelo Russell already, right. a guy who can shoot threes, who can play make, who can like on any given night score 30 points or get you 10 assists or both sometimes if you have like a crazy game. So like we have that guy already and, and it helps when he is allowed to do what he wants to do so that we can slot Austin in and, you know, as a fourth guy. And I think like, even if I don't want to misquote myself, but even like, if you go back to like our preseason, like, how do we think the stats are going to shake out? How do we think the rotations are going to shake out? I'm pretty sure I said that D'Lo will be our third highest score. I thought D'Lo would be our third highest scorer. Mm -hmm. I thought his numbers were going to be higher than what they currently are. And I thought there was a chance that Austin might even average more assists because than D'Lo because Austin, and, and I thought Austin would have a career high in assists because Austin of the three guys who are going to score for us, which I viewed as or the top four guys, which I view as AD, LeBron, D'Lo, and Austin. Of those four, I viewed Austin as the one who was the most likely to give up shots to, to do the other sort of connectory things that he does. And I think he naturally is inclined to do those things. It's just when you put him in a lineup with Cam Reddish and Torian Prince, as like the two other guys next to him and, and LeBron and AD, like what is he supposed to do? He has to be, you know, other than LeBron, the primary playmaker, and he has to burn so much energy, bringing the ball up the court every time and figuring out, you know, how to run the offense and how to get guys going. And he has to do so much of that stuff that it, you know, we've talked about this so much, like what happened to that Austin who was like this amazing team defender and would like, you know, sacrificed his body and was always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. It felt like he was trying to be like, you know, I think I called him farmer man's Tyler hero or something, you know, like <laughs> he, he was like trying to be this poor man, poor man's Tyler hero, instead of just trying to do the things that got him this kind of credibility, you know, like kind of the, the hype in the first place. And, you know, all the other stuff, the scoring, all that stuff came as a result of him doing all these other things yeah. so well. So, you know, it, it's just like D'Angelo Russell is a former all-star, a former number two overall pick by us, obviously. I Like, uh, has averaged 20-plus points a game multiple times, has shot 40%-ish like from three multiple times, has, like, had many seasons of taking and making two, three-plus, three-pointers a game, like, has had a ton of high-assist years, is having a career-high year and assist-to-turnover ratio, like, we have the guy that we've been looking for and it's just like crazy, right? Because he's not perfect in every aspect of his game. It's like, yeah, that's why he costs 17 million, not 30, 45 million, like Fred Van Vliet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, you know, it's like you take the guys for what they are and it's just like, people get so focused on these stupid, like, okay, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. He's, he's fine, but he's not an elite defender. Okay. Fair. Does that mean you jump from that to Cam Reddish? Like, what what is the thought process there? You know, so those are the types of these are the types of things that like having D'Angelo kind of fixes is is like 
kind of helping everybody else just focus on the things that that they need to focus on because we know the scoring is taken care of. And then to your point, like D'Angelo is the third guy. He's not your number one. He's not your number two. He's not going to be an all-star this year. So if he has an off night, you have Austin as like a lot of teams. It's like one, two, three. And if the third guy is off, you're screwed. But like we have other guys, Rui, Austin, like other guys who can step up scoring wise and be the third option. But like as a default matter, it should always have been D'Angelo. And it's embarrassing that it was not from day one of the season. Like, like he's clearly our third highest scorer. It's like the Clippers are not going out there being like, well, we have our big three. And if they, if they don't, you know, if the big three are off, yeah, Norman Powell, Amir Coffey, it's all the same. You know what I mean? Like, obviously there's a pecking order on any given team. And we were some, for some reason, just like, if you're not, if your name's not LeBron or AD, everyone's the same. Cam Reddish, Austin Reeves, whatever. D'Angelo yeah. Russell, D'Angelo Russell, you know, you know, uh, Maxwell Lewis, ah, it doesn't really matter who takes the shots. Like, it, it's just crazy. Like, it, that should have been the priority from the beginning. And, it, and for some reason, we came into this season, like, from night one, it just felt like we were going to trade D'Angelo eventually and no one was taking him seriously. Yeah, and I think that's the problem. And it goes with the larger theme of overthinking whether the coach has been overthinking things or the fans have been overthinking things and to start things off this season you kind of understand where people were coming from because Austin Reeves is the shiny new toy he's the one he's the player you're going to develop the player you're most invested in he showed the most flashes you know coming out of the Western Conference Finals Team USA FIBA but I think we allowed that to drag on for too long. And we've mentioned before that the thought process was correct in see, on, on giving Austin Reeves a little bit of a leash and seeing how far he could extend this and expand his game, right? The thought process was correct. But after a month and or two months of seeing that he's not ready for this and seeing how D'Angelo Russell helped you stem the tide through the ISD championship, why we decided to ostracize and scapegoat D'Angelo Russell in the process of all that, I think is the most peculiar thing. And it goes back to, unfortunately, just how polarizing a player D'Angelo Russell has always been in his career, right? Um, And and I'll leave it at that because we could could have an entire podcast on D'Angelo Russell being unappreciated, misunderstood, et cetera, et cetera. And you know the next game, if he goes out there and shoots three of, three for 12 or something, people are going to lose their shit and be like, see, you can't count on this guy, right? Yeah. Um, but but look, D'Angelo Russell back in the starting lineup, back to playing starters minutes, back to facilitating for AD, facilitating for LeBron James. It has slotted everyone into their proper place. It has allowed LeBron James to play more off ball and conserve his energy for the start of games so that LeBron James can take over at the end of games. It has allowed Austin Reeves to still be him in secondary playmaking actions where on the weak side, there's less defenders, right? Because he can lean on D'Angelo Russell to take that burden off of him. And then at at certain times, he can actually play off of D'Angelo Russell. They can both do that inverted screen thing that they like to do. They can cut, they can pop out for threes. And it's just Austin Reeves, ironically, looks more him-like, not trying to be him than he was otherwise. Go figure, right? It's reverse psychology, um, because the reason why you, you mentioned it perfectly, the reason why Austin Reeves even got to that him status in the first place is because no one saw it coming, you know, yeah. and no one saw it coming because D'Angelo Russell was the third guy, <laughs> you know, so keep him in that spot and then interchange those two, however you like on a night to night basis. And I just think that, again, folks get like bogged down and like, and maybe this is like a function of like, yeah, I don't know, NBA 2K culture or something and numbers and everyone looking like, well, D'Angelo's more of like an 81, Austin's like a 79. Like, it's like people just get like so into these types of things and like ignore the fact that like, you know, it separates LeBron from every other player is not just that. He's put up the stats. He's put up the numbers. It's like it's it's the fact that he can do it every night and the fact that he can play 40 minutes a game and do and still continue to do it. That's like what makes him a great player. If you know the the per 36, you know, we we always used to get into this when it came to like the per 36 stuff. Right. And we always used to like, you know, there was this period where I don't know if you remember this, but it's like around the time we started doing this podcast, it's like the only thing 
the only stat that people would point to is per 36. We had to because Byron Scott was only playing D'Angelo Russell like 22 minutes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's like the funny thing with, about the per 36, right, is like this was always the amusing thing about it. It's like, yeah, some guys can put up the numbers in 15 minute stretches. That doesn't mean that like if they played 36, it evenly extra, you know, it, it's just like it's an yeah. even ratio and they're going to be just as good. It just doesn't work that way. So like, you know, use that same principle with Austin. Again, I'm not saying he's not going to develop into that guy. I'm not saying he might, he's not even going to be that guy like at the end of this season, but there was nothing, you know, you could say the Western Conference Finals, he looked good. You could say FIBA, he looked good. I agree with all that. He was playing so bad when we made the decision to go with him over D'Angelo Russell as the starter. It just, it didn't make any sense. And not, like, not starter, but you mean like give him the ball more and more. Or give him the ball more. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just like, you know, we need to, Austin has to grow into this role. Like he might be a really, really, really good, you know, fourth, fifth guy who could play 28, 30 minutes a night. And maybe that's like perfectly fine for now. We're paying this guy $12 million this year. We're not paying him $45 million to play the whole game for us. Like that, that's, these are like the little things that just feel like, you know, with the coaching staff, with the fans, like it's just lost for some reason. And, and it becomes frustrating to have the discussions because yeah, it's everyone is just so binary. It's like the guy sucks or he's good. Yeah. And it's like, you know, people, you know, because like you said, it's like people have this like bias against D'Angelo. So if Austin could have like a bad month and everyone will be like, it's fine. He still does X, Y, and Z. And D'Angelo will have one off night <laughs> and he gets no grace as like, you know, again, he's not, we're not paying him franchise player money. We're paying him to be a good player, which he is. And good players are not good every single night. And that's why we're, we've paid other good players like Rui and Austin and, you know, uh, Gabe, who's eventually going to play, I hope. And like, you know, Maybe. these other guys to like step up and take on some of the load and yeah, it's just, it's, I don't know. It, it, it's crazy. But I think the most frustrating part is it kind of felt and kind of feels like the coach bought in to the binary narratives of these players, right? And that yeah. is, it's the reason why he started playing D'Angelo Russell 17 minutes. And I was like, whoa, the pendulum has swung way too far in that direction. It's almost like Darvin Ham was, like you've mentioned it to me offline before. It's almost like Darvin Ham was reading his Twitter timeline and being like, oh yeah, D'Angelo Russell has never been a winning player. He only puts up points against bad teams. He never does well when you need him to do well in the situations that matter the most. I should play him less. Yeah. Dude. Have you seen our roster right now and what we're deficient in? What We don't even have Gabe Vincent right now. So anyways, again, we could go forever on, on this topic, but it's just to point out that I think with Austin Reeves, the process was correct at the start, but I feel like there was a lot of premature forcing this onto him, whether it's the team, whether it's the fans, whether it's himself. And we just recently realized that we don't have to pour this on him so quickly. You know, we can take a step back, like stabilize things a little bit. That's why we reassigned this guy named D'Angelo Russell so that Austin Reeves can be the third guy understudy while he waits. That's the luxury of having a D'Angelo Russell, right? And Austin Reeves will say so himself. And so I feel like people just need to like take a chill pill because we were crowning this dude way too quickly and we are seeing, unfortunately, the repercussions of that. But we're also seeing how you can easily toggle it back if you use some common sense. So um, let's take it to break really quickly. When we return, let's close things out by talking about Jared Vanderbilt and just um, any positives you see specifically about this starting lineup. So we will catch you guys after the turn. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. 
Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so we are back. Tommy, what have you liked so far about going back to this starting lineup? You know, I know Torian Prince is still in there, but I think step one was just getting our, gu- our skill guards back together um, and getting more offensive punch and juice. And then step two was just getting everybody healthy because even though Torian Prince is starting, what we didn't have at the beginning of the season when Torian Prince was starting was Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, Christian Wood, all healthy coming off the bench, right? Now that all three of those guys are healthy and coming off the bench, you can, not, I don't want to say more easily because Darvin Ham is still going to play Torian Prince 30 minutes, but you can more easily mitigate the Torian Prince quote-unquote overuse. But for me, the starting lineup, I mean... Anthony Davis just has more space to operate. He has more options to actually sling the ball to and playmake. And we've seen Anthony Davis really grow as a facilitator this season. And he got like nine assists last night. LeBron James has been talking about how Anthony Davis is learning how to pass from him, which is good news to hear. As I mentioned before, LeBron James is just more effective off ball. It's how we were playing at the start of the season, to be honest with you, how we stemmed the tide when we had all those injuries to start with. And LeBron James is a great off-ball player. He can conserve his energy more earlier in games. And again, our skill guards with Austin there, we can really manipulate the offense, play off of each other, keep things creative and less predictable, and actually gain an offensive rhythm. So by the time that our bench comes in, that's when we get athletic. That's when we get physical. That's when we ram it down defense's throats, you know? But it's because we have this like offensive rhythm already flowing through the team and what Darvin Ham has been doing to his credit is like staggering the guards because when Vanderbilt, Rui, and Christian Wood come in, D'Angelo Russell is still in there or Austin Reeves is still in there along with LeBron James. But yeah, what have you seen that's been working out of the starting lineup that you like? Out of the starting lineup, I mean, like you you kind of hit, hit the nail on the head. I think it's, it's getting the skill guards back together. I mean, obviously we like the spacing for LeBron and AD with those guys, but it's more than just the spacing. It's like this offense is sort of, and it's weird because like, it feels like there have been such long stretches of like such disorganized mess offense because of the players were rolling out that it was hard to remember what offense we were even trying to run. And it's like, you know, a couple games into it, it's like, you kind of remember, Oh yeah, this is what we're running that motion. Like Spurs Hawks of the mid two thousands or mid 2010s, I guess I should say like, offense where it's guys you know driving and kicking out and driving and kicking out and you know not necessarily taking the three but you have to have enough gravity to draw defenders so you can pump fake drive and 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 dish and so like we have three guys on the floor now who can are very very adept at doing that in lebron austin and delo and it's just such a contrast from like when you only have Torian Prince uh, and and Reddish and Reddish is like turning it over four times a game despite being like a non-ball handling role player you know what I mean so it's like those are the types of it just like in addition to the spacing which is like you you know you could take a screenshot and point to that and say okay look better spacing you can you can point to like the better shooting numbers or or whatever but it's kind of like these more intangible things I think um, that have been uh helpful with the new group and of course you know if i had the choice i would choose uh vando to replace torian in the starting lineup but torian you know again it's not that i think fine keep him in the starting lineup even okay because like he is he is capable you know why not i guess you could take the stance of like why not start off with a guy who can hit a corner three and keep the defense honest and your early game shots are maybe going to go to a lot to D'Lo, AD and LeBron anyway. So, uh, you know, if they, if they're able to create for like another guy, then I, I don't know. You, there's a, there's a bunch of rationales I guess you could raise for, for going with Prince, but you don't need to start an eight minute stretch of the game with him. 
You know what I mean? You can balance it a little bit better. But in bursts, like even he he can work with Austin and D'Lo as like a third shooter. Yeah. Um, you know, and and a fourth guy around AD who can space. And and that has some value. Um so it, it's all like, you know, I think again, you know, we kind of touched on it in the D'Lo in the D'Lo uh, discussion, but having D'Lo and Austin together makes Austin a better defender, in my opinion. Um he has more energy, yeah. He first of all, he knows he understands his role, right? And like, I I think people underestimate that psychological, excuse me, psychological component. But like, it's even come out in articles recently, and you mentioned it, right? Like, when the guys know what when they're going to come in and when they're going to come out, like, what like what they're kind of being asked to do when they're out there for those stretches, like, it helps them play better because they can focus on that thing and and. For Austin, it's like, yeah, when he comes out and it's like, you're the starting point guard, you think his mindset is like, I need to be locked in on defense? When his when he comes in as like, you know, with D'Angelo Russell, with Anthony Davis, with LeBron James, you think his, his mindset is, I'm going to come out to look to get my shots? No, he's, his mindset is going to shift to other things. And so it's like, it makes him such a better defender and, and able to contribute in other ways when, um, when he gets to play with D'Lo too. So... Just putting D'Lo back into that group has been such a huge upgrade. I hope we don't revert or something when when Cam Reddish is healthy again. But, you know, that's been such a big upgrade. And I I think there's still room for improvement. To your point, Austin Reeves did a great job on Kyrie Irving last night, albeit Kyrie Irving was a little bit banged up. Uh, Really quickly, let's talk about Jared Vanderbilt and his physical resurgence because he looks the healthiest he's ever been. He is so active out there, energetic, like tipping balls, helping and recovering. He's teleporting all over the floor again. He's jumping the gaps of these passing lanes, taking it all the way to the other end, whether off his own dribble or passing it to D'Angelo Russell for the quick pass back where he dunks the ball. He's incorporating his ball handling and playmaking in the short roll. Um, He's even hit a three or two in the last couple of games as well. But really it's more just getting Jared Vanderbilt, that Jared Vanderbilt energy back, that staple Vando energy back, because he has changed the entire complexion of this team, and his activity, his athleticism has been so infectious. He is that chaos agent on both ends of the floor that allows us to really switch switch ends uh, really quickly, and now that we have guards for him to throw the ball to, you know, it's uh, much more effective and much more productive. And on top of Jared Vanderbilt, you can tie these two topics together, but I've really loved the smash em, bash em, wrecking ball forward screw that Darvin Ham has been throwing out there of Christian Wood, Rui Hachimura, and Jared Vanderbilt. Like, the energy, the skill, the length, the athleticism of that trio, and he's usually flanked them with D'Angelo Russell and LeBron James. For me, I'm like, that is the perfect concept right there, where you have one of your skill guards just surround him with all of those big, athletic, burly forwards who can also space the floor and are versatile where the only non-shooter is really Vando. Like for me, I'm like, this is heaven. This is utopia, you know? And, and, and it's me, really like, like, these were the lineups we were supposed to be experimenting <laughs> with this whole time. I know it, it feels like we, we are still in preseason for some reason, but we're 21 and 21 fighting for our lives, you know? But for me, that unit the physicality is such a nice change-up pitch that we can go to in comparison to the D'Lo Reeves skill guards pairing, but it's like this smash-mouth, explosive, physically imposing basketball that really catches the other teams off guard, but on top of that, it's like they still have skill and they still can shoot on top of that, you know? So I love what we've been doing with that trio of forwards and that lineup because, again, it's an easy way to hide a subpar guard defender while making sure that the offense is still flowing. So your thoughts on Vando and that that fortress of forwards that Darvin Ham called it earlier on in a media day. I'll start with the forwards lineup, but you know, good teams always have like different looks they can give you. You know what I mean? And and if you think back to our 1920 team that won the championship, like we would have we would have multiple looks. We would have lineups where it would be LeBron James, two centers, KCP, and Alex Caruso. So your shortest guy on the floor is six five. And you're just like destroying teams with your size. And then we would also come out with like all the like big time, like all forward lineups. And we would have some lineups where it was like, you know, Avery Bradley, Caruso, KCP, when we needed all small guards. You know, we could give a lot of different looks. And this all forwards lineup is an interesting look and something we should have been experimenting with this whole time. Right. In my opinion. And and I, I will say 
maybe I'm get like I will probably you know eat these words at, at some point in the future. Christian Wood is like not as bad of a defender as I thought he was going to be. I mean, I know he he, he wasn't. We saw this at the start of the season, dude. It's just Darvin Ham decided to DNP him during the ISD finals to give Jackson Hayes a chance, but it was like DNP with no caveats, you know. So yeah, and my thing about him is like, okay, he's super soft at the rim. That I will not argue with you on. Like he's super. Not soft if he's at the, the help and secondary defender but, though. He's well, blocked well, yeah, a ton of that's shots. A, that's what I'm saying. Like when he's got someone else, when he is like with a Vanderbilt who has like a six, you know, six nine with a long wingspan and like Rui and these these other big forwards. When he's with AD, like he can do it, and he's actually like again surprisingly adept at like switching out on the perimeter, and he does yeah. a decent job. Like he's not the quickest guy, but he he has so much length to compensate for it he and he knows how to use that length by the way i just yep. feel like there are so many guys who are so much more physically gifted than him that do not play this well <laughs> or like do not compete this well defensively you know considering the limitations athletically but anyway i i that's my that's kind of my thought on on the uh all forwards lineup it's just like i wish i could have seen more and, and hopefully we will continue to see more um with with respect to vanderbilt specifically I think like his first few weeks back, I definitely texted you this more than one time. Like he looked kind of cooked, you know what I mean? And, and part of it is like, you give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt because of the conditioning. But now in hindsight, I feel like part of it was, he just was actually still injured and was trying to play through it. Yeah. Um, so he wouldn't miss too much of the season because it does feel like whatever heel problem he had is like recovering a bit more now than it seemed at first. Like, the speed that he's sort of moving with feels like last year, the quickness laterally, the ability to stay in front of guys like Kyrie and, and cause that havoc defensively. That's like back in full force, like all of a sudden. And it kind of is nice because for a while there, I was getting a little bit nervous that like this guy, you know, bulked up a bit and, you know, the knock on him last year was he was soft around the rim and like, did he make himself too bulgy? Now he lost his quickness, but no, I think it was just the heel. Um, and, and, you know, beyond the defense, which I think is is obviously the biggest thing he brings to the table, he brings amazing rebounding, um, which is yep. a big problem, you know, on this team. He brings kind of like connector playmaking for his position. Um, yep. You wouldn't expect to get that much out of him there, um, but he's able to provide it. I think now that he's been a part of this organization for so long, you know, as opposed to last year where he, it was sort of learning him on the fly, like the coaching staff has a much, much better understanding of how to use him offensively. I don't know if you've noticed this. And again, I'm not like going to get, I'm not, you know, we are not the X's and O's podcast, but like, you know, just by the eye test, when you're watching the games, like it seems like he is in that dunker spot and cutting to the rim off the ball, like so much more um, than he used to um, figuring out how to take away the, uh, advantages that the defense is sort of trying to get out of not having to defend him as a perimeter shooter. I feel like the coaching staff has done a better job um, the last few games of of figuring out how to deal with that stuff. And, and that could just be a function of, you know, understanding him more as a player. But, you know, I, I again, I, there was a time early this season, the first few weeks that he had been back that I was like, wow, we are going to really regret that extension that we gave him because it is going to be hard to move off of this guy who can't do anything offensively. Um, and it's like, has lost a step defensively somehow, but now we're getting that same Vando back. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens because we're going to need his defense. And if, you know, he can figure out how to make it work offensively um, to justify Darwin, keeping him out there because like he's going to have to be that good um, to take minutes away from the chosen prince. Um, <laughs> then uh, it's going to help this team so much because I'm just like, you know, I was looking at the schedule coming up here um, earlier today and it's like, we have some easy games, but the Clippers are on the horizon and look, it's not the stage of the season. Like we were in for the last 20 games last year where we were like, we have to pretty much win all of these. Um, we, don't need to win every game. We need to win a lot of games and we don't have a lot more time to waste. Um, and we have to play our best players as we've said many times. So Vanderbilt is one of those guys, certainly defensively. Yeah. 
he has played like, remember at the start of the season when we were kept saying, well, Vanderbilt's not back yet. He's the key. He's the key. And we're like, is he? We're crossing our fingers. But he has shown why we were saying that in the first place, because he has locked everybody into place. He is locking down the opposing team's best players. And yeah, hopefully from here, we can use this momentum to really go on a run. Because as you mentioned, we desperately need a string of I don't know. We need to go like nine and four over this next stretch, at least to just pick up ground. And yeah, you know, the trade deadline is coming up. We'll see how that affects players. But so far, I think just the return to competency, the return to continuity and playing the guys who are familiar with one another, who remember that run that they went on last year. Like there are some intangible things going on here that I'm very surprised that a coach who is as raw, raw coach Carter as Darvin Ham is why he has never gone back to that in the first place. And by that, I mean, wouldn't you have the self-awareness to to be like, you know what? These four guys got me on that run to turn the season around last year. I wonder if they could do it again. And I guess the argument here is he's finally gone back to that. But again, it should have happened sooner. But also, again, better late than never. All right. So that's it. That'll do it for this episode. We will catch you guys next time. Buckle up. The trade deadline is coming. DeJounte Murray, Colin Sexton, Zach Levine, whatever. Here we come. But for now, the guys seem locked in. The guys seem focused. And the guys seem like they are they are having fun. And it kind of seems lit again. So, Tommy, I will catch you later. Peace. See ya. is just around the corner and what better way to celebrate the spring season than with a Miki Couture blanket. Whether you're gathering with family for an Easter egg hunt or just enjoying a quiet day at home, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Easter festivities. Made with ultra soft and luxurious materials, these blankets will keep you cozy and comfortable while their stylish designs will add a touch of spring to your day. And with a wide range of colors and patterns to choose from, there is a Minky blanket for everyone. So this Easter, make your day even brighter with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket just in time for Easter. Happy Easter from Minky Couture. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.